be like a Tennessee snow. Here today, gone tomorrow. But everybody thinks it's going to, in Tennessee, everybody thinks it's going to last a year. It's like the apocalypse, man. Every gallon of milk and piece of bread is gone. It's pretty wild. I don't know why I said all that, but uh, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming this morning, and thank you for taking time out of your, your day to be with us, and just really appreciate it. And uh, just a couple of things before I pray, and we're going to get in here. Um, just again, a reminder, next Sunday evening, the Agape Singers will be here. If you can make that, that would be awesome. Um, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a, um, a multi-church event that we'll host here. Also, next Sunday morning, um, it's the... Uh, it's the makeup of Steve's ordination service, um, Steve Horn. We're going to be uh, ordaining him next week as our executive pastor. I'm just thrilled about that. So um, if you can make it, uh, I'm just going to carry this around. I love, I love these things. Do you guys like that? Let's try this. Be sure not to touch that again. But we will be ordaining Steve. We're just glad about that, happy about that. Uh, the last one got snowed out, and uh, so we're excited about that next week. So I encourage you to come out for that. Let's pray, and we're going to get right into to the Word today. Jesus, thank you for your presence that is already here. Thank you, Lord, that uh, your Word is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your, the, the, the Bible says that. And Lord, as we look into your Word and, and we... Uh, Lord, I've been talking about this, this, this topic of good news, Lord, that, uh, that just even the songs that we just sang, Lord, uh, that, that your redemption story is good news for us. And Lord, we ask that you would come and that your word would come alive. Holy Spirit, illuminate the word of God to us. And uh, Lord, we just thank you again and praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys excited about the word of God? Thank you, Nicholas, for that amen. That was awesome. Guys, excited about the Word of God today? Yeah. Amen. I am too. Um, we're continuing with a series called Good News. Um, started last week, and we talked about Jesus being the, the true vine. When he said he's the true vine, the authentic vine, that there's um, no other life source that will fill the longing of our spirit, to fill the longing of our heart. We were created to need him. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the true vine, because he's, you know, there's a lot of things that we can connect our lives into and plug into and things that we try to find life in that are unfulfilling. But Jesus is that which we find true life, life abundantly. And so we've been on this journey, and again, I encourage you to... Uh, um, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe you're, you're searching, maybe you're here today, you really don't know who God is, um, uh, you're in store to hear good news. And the story of Jesus is good news. And as believers, we're called to be salt and light. I quoted this last week, but 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul says that we are these fragile earthen vessels, jars of clay, cracked pots, if you will. My fellow cracked pots that carry this treasure of Jesus within us. And that's what Paul says, we carry a treasure. That we're, you know, we're, we're not special. I mean, we're, you know, God created us special. You don't understand what I'm saying. You're all special. Believe me, you are. Uh, you're valuable. But the treasure that we hold when we belong to Christ is amazing. And the cracked pot reveals the light of Christ. And we hold this treasure of Jesus in us. And we are to reveal his light through us. That's why we're cracked, is because we can reveal light. And that when people come in contact with us, they see the good news evidenced by our lives. Peter said this, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. We should be walking around revealing God's hope through the man Christ Jesus. And uh, so this, this series, a challenge to followers of Jesus and an invitation that don't, to people that don't know him. It's a challenge to us as followers of Jesus and, and believers to uh, reveal his good news to everybody that we come in contact with, with how we, we live our lives. And again, last week, when Jesus talked about being the true vine, he said that the key there is um, the key to the fruitful life, the key to knowing him is to be plugged in, abiding in him, intimacy with him remaining in him. And he says that over and over in that chapter. He says, remain in me. 
Abide in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. And we need to remain in him every single day. We were created for that relationship with him. Today, I want to talk about this topic that it's a phrase that most everybody in here, you've heard the words, you've, you, when I even, even when I say it, you will get in your mind a thought process, and it could be positive or negative depending on, on how you've heard this wording, but we're going to talk about something today um, in, in this series of good news called, You Must Be Born Again. You Must Be Born Again. And again, we, you've heard that phrase, being born again. What does that mean? What, is it, what does it mean to us as followers of Christ? What does it mean to the world? You must be born again. And we're going to look at the passage where that, that, that famous passage with Jesus, with this man called Nicodemus. We're going to look at this conversation between Jesus and this, this man and, and, and just kind of open our hearts to, to see what God might speak to us today. Before we get in that, I want to show you a video clip. Some of you guys may have already seen this. Um, it's very powerful. The reason why I'm showing you this clip is I want you to see the joy of these people's hearts. It was, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a very remote tribal people in Papua New Guinea. And they are getting delivered in this video. It's about a four-minute video. There's a longer one that you can watch. But in this four-minute video, they are having... New Testaments delivered to them. It's the first time that the New Testament Bible has been translated into their language. That excites me. Because, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is not going to return until the gospel is preached to all the world. And now they are able to get the Word of God translated into languages that have never had the Bible before in their language. The reason why I'm tying that to be born again, I, I want you to look at the excitement, the life that is on these people. This plane is coming in. These people are believers. But I want you to see their response to getting the Word of God in their, in their, um, in their hands. So let's, let's bring the lights down. Alex, we're going to hit that. Click that big, the, the big pad is a mouse too. There you go. Traffic advisory, Mike Alpha Delta from Centani to Corpo. Now crossing the ridge, uh, just above Sela, maintaining 1-2000. There'll be a big party when we land. They'll be dancing and singing, and it'll be pretty amazing. <laughs> Pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. It just blew me out of the water. I thought, Lord, this is how we know that it's you doing something here. Do I 
And then they handed it off to the older believers and one of the ladies, just spontaneously, I don't think she, they had planned for her to say anything, but she just said, we have taken God's word, we've accepted it, we've put it into our hearts, and now we're going to give it to you young people who need to also take it and accept it and walk with God as he teaches in this Bible. You know, so they handed it off to the younger uh, believers and, uh, you know, the, the crying and the sobbing that took place there was just, it was something totally unexpected to me because I knew they would be happy. But the emotion that came out was just so overwhelming to me. I thought, we have no idea. You know, we have had the Word of God for so long. We have taken it for granted. We've, we, we have resources, we have translations, we have, you know, all these different things, and we don't, we don't cherish it. We don't realize what a precious gift we have and hold in our hands. And these guys were realizing that and saying, God, you've come to us through the Word. Turn that off. Nice. It's great. How many of you guys are excited about the Word of God now? Yeah. <laughs> what a response, you know? I don't know about you, but I saw that I was very convicted. You know, we have the Bible in so many languages and translations. Uh, you know, we can read it this way and that way, the Greek, the Hebrew. I mean, we've got stuff right at our fingertips. And you have this place, and I said New, uh, Papua New Guinea. It was not Papua New Guinea. It was West Papua, Indonesia. It's just very remote. These people are just getting, this was last year, getting the New Testament in their language. And what an amazing response. Tears of joy, excitement, and I tell you, that would increase your faith if you came upon something like that. So I'm going to expect you guys next week to be ready um, when the Word of God is open to be, uh, if you guys want to get some of that tribal gear and, you know, you guys can go all out if you want. So, but just the celebration and uh, the longer videos, they do a huge parade and they're holding up the Bibles and they're, and they're just parading um, and, and just lifting up the Word of God. It's so powerful. The reason why I wanted to show you guys that clip is just, this idea of being born again, new life, the life of the Spirit being in our hearts and being in our lives, even as believers, the treasuring of God's Word. When you think about that whole, um, the, the whole concept of what it means to be born again, and again, we're going to look at this conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, but this idea of being born again, you know, birth is joyful. All the moms here go, yeah, it's a little painful, but it's worth it. Birth is joyful. There's rejoicing. And even when we, when we think of a baby that is born into this world, and you can see it, you know, when, when they're very, very small, and then they, they get into those different stages, they, everything, they're, they're in awe and wonder of everything. When they get about two and three, they're in awe and wonder of too many things. But uh, 
But children are in awe and wonder of, of just everything out there. It's just, there's amazement all the time. I, I think it's interesting how Jesus, when he's talking about the kingdom, he takes this child and puts, them, puts this child in the middle of the disciples. And he said, you know, unless you receive the kingdom like this, you can't enter it because there has to be this simplistic awe and wonder of God. And so we're going to look at this idea today, the good news. You must be born again. John chapter 3 is where I'm going to be. If you want to turn there, you can. We're not going to look at the entire conversation that Jesus has with this, this guy. But I think it's interesting as we look at this man, who he is, in reference to where we're going today, whether you are a believer for a long time, whether you've been a believer for a short time, maybe today you're here and you're not a believer. You're searching. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. That's important to remember. He was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, or he came at night. Rabbi, he said. Rabbi just means teacher, which is interesting as a Pharisee calling Jesus teacher. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied. I love his reply. He doesn't say, uh, thank you. He just says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It's a logical question. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, or flesh reproduces the flesh. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Spirit gives life to spirit. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And I'm going to stop right there. Okay, here you have this conversation with Jesus. And, and a lot of you guys are familiar with this passage of Scripture. In fact, uh, you know, on down, we're going to be talking about probably one of the most famous Scriptures in all, um, among all the world. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with John 3.16. Our Awana kids could probably pop up right now and give you that one really quick. But there's, it's an interesting conversation taking place about this man named Nicodemus. This wasn't just your every, uh, everyday average ordinary Joe on the street coming up to Jesus. He was a part of the Jewish synagogue. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a, a very top echelon member of the Pharisees or the Jewish ruling council. In other words, he was on the very top of the religious food chain, if, you were, if there was a religious food chain, or if there was, if there was a structure or, or hierarchy, um, which the Pharisees loved that, by the way. They, they loved the ladder, and they liked being on top of the ladder. Throughout Scripture, throughout the, the, the uh, gospel, um, the, the gospels, the all four gospels, Jesus talks to them and reprimands them for, for, for some of the issues that they were dealing with. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But this guy was the, on the very top of the religious ladder. He had memorized the entire law as all of them had. And if you're wondering, Awana kids, where's our Awana kids? Raise your hands, Awana kids. And again, I just want to echo what Barry said. We want to thank God for our Awana program. Thank, thank God for our leaders that work in there with our kids. Um, and, and what they do every week. So Awana kids, I really want you to listen to this. As a part of this group of Pharisees, they had to memorize the law, which is about 5,300 scriptures. So you need to get to work, kids. The entire law they had to have by memory. And so this guy was a part of this top echelon of, of, of religious Jew, the, the religious Jewish council. He participated in the Jewish feasts and festivals. He was considered one of the top religious preachers or teachers of the day. These guys were the, uh, back, back in that day, they were the teachers of law. In fact, it was the hope of every Jewish boy 
to be under one of these guys to have him teach them and, and basically walk around with him and learn everything you could from this person's life. So we're talking about a big hitter here coming to Jesus. The Pharisees were the highest religious order of the day, but here's, here's the thing, they rejected Jesus, the vast majority of them. Isn't that interesting that they knew prophecy? They had the law memorized. They had the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And yet they are the ones that rejected Jesus Christ. They looked to God. They prayed to God. They wore the law on their foreheads, the scripture called phylacteries. And there's like a, this head thing where they would want the scripture as close to their mind as possible. So maybe if it morphed in there or something, it would just go in or something. But they dressed in the religious garments of the day. If Pharisees walked around today, they would, you would see them, they would carry their Bible, and I'm not saying this wrong, I carry my Bible around, so don't, don't get me wrong, but they, would, they, they dressed the part, they had the religious robes, they had the, you know, the Pharisee robes on. They, there was no question who these people were when they came down the street. In fact, Jesus said they love to walk among the marketplace and be called rabbi and teacher. And, you know, they would kind of have that little, you know, kind of grin, a lot of them, of when people would kind of run up to them, you know, kind of cowering down, hello, teacher. You know, they kind of love that power. Modern day is, a, you know, the person walking with the big Bible that kind of knows all the scripture and people just kind of, you know, cower in their presence. Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to carry the Bible. It wasn't wrong how they were dressed or whatever, but they, they just looked apart. I'm hoping you understand where I'm going, where I'm going with this. But Jesus dealt with this group in the gospel stronger than anyone else in the Bible. He had more mercy for fallen, broken, lost people. The woman at the well caught in adultery, or the woman at the well who was in adultery, the woman that was caught in adultery, John chapter 8. He had mercy on these people. Now, he didn't condone their sin. He didn't say, it's okay what you're doing. But he had a lot more mercy for them than he did these folks. Basically, Jesus said to them, he said, you know, you look the part, but what about in your heart? You go through all the motions but where is the evidence of transformational life in you? You guys look spiritual, you act spiritual, you talk spiritual, you, 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 you have it going on on the outward, and he was dealing with them saying, where is your heart at? And if you read Matthew 23, folks, he was not nice to them. I mean, this is a group, you know, and... Most preachers would never, they would never make it in a church today if Jesus would, if they spoke the words of Jesus in Matthew 23 when he looked at them and he says, you brood of snakes. Yikes. Half the crowd would leave right then. You hypocrites. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He keeps saying it over there. He said, you know, outside you look, you look great, but inside you're filled with dead men's bones and and again, it was more than just this rebuke. Jesus was groaning for them because he knew they had all this information and they, they looked the part and they had mastered the part, but they had missed the heartbeat of why he came and the heartbeat of what this thing called Christianity and is all about. They had mastered religion and so Jesus was more than, you know, I don't see him just coming down just with a hammered fist on their heads, but he was saying, oh if you, could, if you knew what you had, if you knew what you could have. He's saying, you know, you go to church, you pray. He was speaking to us today. You say you're filled with the Spirit, but is there evidence of that in your life? And so when Jesus was confronting that religious spirit, he was calling them out and he was calling for their hearts. The reason why I'm given the context of this and, and talking about who Nicodemus was is we've looked at this passage as a message to those who are outside the church for salvation. You, know, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. 
Or people that, you know, have said, you know, uh, you know come up to say, are you born again? You know, if somebody says, well, yeah, you know, I have, my, I have my beliefs. I grew up in the church. And sometimes people would ask that question, well, are you born again? And I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing or wrong connotation, but I believe that also speaks to us that have been in the church. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. I think it's both. It's right, to, it's right and okay to apply it to those that are lost, but I want to apply it to the church as well. This connotation of being born again, new life, and I'm talking about tenderness to the things of God. We're, a lot of times when, you, when we've been Christians for a really long time or we've been in the church for a really long time, there's this tendency to get hard-hearted or cynical. That back when we were tender, and there was more of the tender life of God in us that we were brought to tears talking about the things of God and the presence of God touched us in a very real way. And through the years, we get a little bit used to everything and we get a little bit cynical and it's easy just to kind of block out what God is doing and we kind of cross our arms to the things of God and the tenderness is gone. So I want to look at this guy named Nicodemus who was a man of the church, a preacher of the day, and he comes to Jesus for himself. He puts his reputation on the line. And it was a humble move to move towards Jesus because of the things that have been said about Jesus. The other religious people that were not trusting of Jesus and they looked at him as an outsider and why is he doing this and that and he's not a part of us and they were rejecting him. And here's this man of the church, the man of the Pharisees, laying down his pride and coming to Jesus. This man was searching for something. He was searching for life. And I think in that search, what had happened is, you know, with all of the, the scripture memory, all of the things that he went through, you know, per, uh, participating in all the Jewish festival and feasts and obeying the law, something had happened to this guy's heart where he said, in his own heart and his mind, something's missing. Something is out of whack. Something is missing. And I want to go find out what is missing, and so he comes to Jesus. The Bible says that he came at night. It reveals some mixed emotions about this. You know, he did have to lay his life down to go to Jesus, but notice he did not do it in the middle of the day. He came at night, maybe because he didn't want his religious buddies to see him going to Jesus. You know, maybe he was trying to, you know, he was not quite sure, and you, and you see the mixed emotions of this. He had to humble himself, but it wasn't quite the, 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 the huge plunge of humility and to do it in broad daylight where I don't care what people think. So he still cared a little bit about what people think, so he comes at night. Maybe he didn't want to see his friends to see him. and He's searching, but he's not real sure. Have you ever been there? Maybe this is a word for you today that maybe... You know, you believe this thing in Christianity, you believe God, you believe Jesus, but you're just not real sure. You're not fully convinced yet. Jesus wants to give you new life today. Again, this is a word for, if you're searching and you don't know God, maybe you've known God for many years. He also maybe came at night because, you know, at night when you're left alone with your thoughts, you know, the reality of what you are and what you are not, when you're alone, it's the real you. Brian White said that a couple of weeks ago. Because we master this thing as human beings to kind of put on this, this front so that everybody knows that, you know, we, don't, we wouldn't want anyone to think that we're not doing well. And, and so we master a front and we do it in the church too. And we, we put on the facade and, 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 and we're, we're afraid to be a little bit vulnerable but I tell you what, at night when you're alone, it's just you alone with your thoughts. That nagging restlessness in your spirit that there's something is missing. It's the Holy Spirit coming. And maybe, maybe he was restless. Maybe Nicodemus was restless. He's not able to sleep because he's thinking, 
You know, all this stuff that I grew up with, I, it, it's not real to me. And there's something, there's, there's a component missing to all this. You know, everybody calls me teacher and they're really impressed with all my accomplishments. He went through Awana like 15 years in a row, you know. And he's like, something's missing. He's searching for something real. Maybe he's thinking this, the religious life that I had, it, it, it's not bringing me the contentment that I thought it would. Have you ever been in that place, spiritual night? Here, Henry Nouwen calls it the, the, the nighttime of the soul. That restless searching, the feeling like something's missing. You know deep down inside something's not right, even though you might even be going through the motions. You might even go to church. You might participate. You might read the Bible. But something's missing. Being far from God doesn't mean that you're on drugs or alcohol or you're addicted to something else or maybe you're in a sexual sin. We've, we've equated that, and yes, that is true. And we clump those into the lost and far away from God category. Those, those that are on the, the way out there, you know, they're, they're dealing with major, major life things. But what about those that seem to have it all together? This guy Nicodemus, strict law follower. He wasn't a drunkard. He wasn't an addict. He followed the law fervently. He went through all the hoops. To get where he was, he had to live a pretty clean life. And he was strict in his following of the law. But yet he was far away from God. So again, it doesn't matter what part of the spectrum that you're on here this morning. Maybe you are dealing with a major issue of life. Maybe you're an addiction. Maybe there's a sexual sin in your life that you've been struggling with. Maybe alcohol is, is, has gotten a hold of you. Maybe there is a, there's some kind of drug addiction or other addiction that has got its clamps on you. God wants to set you free and give you new life. But the other end of the spectrum, maybe you've gone through the motions. Maybe you've gone, you go to church again, and maybe something in your heart after all the stuff that you're going through, all the hoops that you're jumping through, something in your heart has died. Maybe you prayed a prayer one time. You had an emotional response at a service or a conference. Maybe you've been a part of a church for many years. question is, what about now? Where's your heart right now? Verse 2, I love Nicodemus. He comes up to Jesus. And he says, Rabbi, he says, Teacher, we all know, we all know, who's we? We all know that you, that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. He comes in, Rabbi, we, we all know that God sent you. Notice Jesus is not impressed with his, that first initial step of, you know, where he's coming to Jesus. Jesus doesn't respond to his acclamation of, teacher, we know, Rabbi, we know Jesus just cuts right to the chase. It's almost like he's saying, who is we? You know, if you guys, if you guys know this, why, where's your response to me? If, if, if it's we, uh, where, where's everybody else? Why is it just you coming to me for some answers? But Jesus doesn't even go there. He just looks at him and, and hey, Rabbi, we know God sent you. And he just looks at him and says, you know, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What a statement. You notice Jesus does that in so many stories in the gospel. Somebody comes to him or he comes up to someone and they'll ask a question or they'll make a comment. And, you know, he's just like seems to be out in left field. But, you know, he's really dealing with the heart of the issue, the heart of the matter. Teacher, we know God sent you. Well, just head acknowledgement of that doesn't really mean much. Just a verbal thing of, we know, God, that you're real. And he's saying, well, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. He was looking for more than just a verbal response. 
Maybe Nicodemus was trying to find some validation with Jesus. It's kind of like the rich young ruler calling Jesus good. You know, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he's looking for some validation. Maybe that's the deal, you know. Rabbi, maybe if I just call him rabbi and I say, you know, we know God sent you, maybe Nicodemus is looking for that validation going, you know what, Nicodemus, you, that's pretty cool, man. You, you're, you're all right. You, you got it together. Why don't you go home, man? I'll go back to bed. You're up in the middle of the night. Go back, you know, get, get some sleep. You can rest easy. And Nicodemus, you know, you walk away going, you know, well, I feel a little bit better about myself now. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And now it's, he's unwrapped a, a big, huge thing now. It's like, whoa, what is he talking about? Born again, again, has, has gotten some negative play in our culture and our society. Negative connotation for the people of the world. Some people think of, when they hear the word born again, they think of some angry street preacher who has no relationship with people. They're yelling out, you know, you got to be born again, you know, and you're just screaming at people. But I don't want to miss the power of what Jesus is saying because there's validity and there's life and there's authenticity on the words that he said unless you're born again. And I love Nicodemus. Is, is here, he's now in dialogue with Jesus. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, okay, I've never heard anything like this before. I need to ask an obvious health 101 question here. You know, I was there when they, you know, they did health class in the ninth grade. And Nicodemus is going, born again? How in the world does an old man climb back into his mother's womb? How does that work? He's asking a very, and this is kind of a graphic question, but it's real. I love his honesty. I love his transparency here. I don't, I don't, in other words, Jesus, I have no clue what you're talking about. Of course, Jesus would throw that stuff out there because he, 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 was, he was getting ready to unload and, and talk about what he means. And so Nicodemus is like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And so Jesus is, deals with physical birth and, and spiritual birth. And, and he's talking about, he says, being born again is spiritual rebirth of the human heart. It's new life. It's transformed life. It's a transformed mindset. It's starting over. We receive his life. And so that it transform us, transforms us into a new creation. Paul said that, this, he said, He that is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. New, transform life. And Jesus was saying, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh, and a human effort doesn't produce divine change. Jesus was saying, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You're born of your mother, and you, you, know, you, you really don't have a choice in the matter. You're coming. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Human effort doesn't produce divine change. Only the spirit of God in you can produce divine change. It's not, it's not trying harder to be a good person. It's not about going through all the religious hoops. You're going to church and doing it and looking the part because you're afraid what people might think of you, but deep down inside you're dead and dying. That's why I love that Jesus calls it new birth, born again. Because some of us, and it, this is not a chronological thing, but some of us can get to where we are just old and dead inside. And Jesus says, I want you to be born again. I want new life to come. Birth is exciting. So it's not about going through the religious hoops. It's about being honest before God. It's about being transparent and saying, God, you know, outside of me going to church and going through the hoops, I want an authentic, surrendered life to Jesus Christ. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and make you new and give you new life, a rebirth in Jesus and sometimes we've gone through the, the process and, and we've, we've done the things for so long that we forget about, again, the tenderness, the authenticity, the remember when. When it was fresh and it was new and there was new life on it and you were excited and the thoughts of God and coming into a worship service brought tears to your eyes. 
to hear the word of God, you, there, was a, there was a holy awe. It's like a little child that is in awe and wonderment of what God is doing and his freedom and his presence is, is joyful. And we can get to, go, get to going through the hoops so much that we get cold and dead inside. Jesus is looking at this very religious man, 5,300 verses memorized, has the look, has the talk, and he says, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Birth is exciting. The newness of life, the joy, the expectation of new life. Remember, you that are parents, remember when you were the expectation of that child coming? The women, they remember it really well. I can't wait for more reasons than one. But there's an excitement, the tenderness of a new life coming. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a crying man, and I, I won't be afraid to admit that. But, you know, I, I cried at my, my kids' births. Just the tenderness, the, the joy, I was overwhelmed. And we see it in the flesh, and Jesus even is making this, this connection. With, you know, he said, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, he said, you know, human life, you know, human things give birth to human things. The flesh gives birth to the flesh. And there's still joy in that, when, when, in natural birth. But how much more new life in the Spirit? I shared this story a long time ago, and it bears repeating today as, as, as I think about this. And, and it, was, it was convicting to me in more ways than one. But when I was in basic training, um, I had the... This was probably one of the most memorable times that I've ever led anyone to the Lord. And, uh, and I share it with you not to say, look at me, I led somebody to the Lord, but, but, but this guy's response, and that's why I want to share this. I was in basic training, you know, and, 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 and I was just thinking, you know, what in the world am I doing here? I'm one of the oldest guys in here. I've got married with two kids, and, and man, I was just trying to find my way. I knew God had opened the doors, but man, it was just like really hard, especially basic training. I don't like basic training, by the way. It's not fun, but they were teaching us stuff. Well, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the evening, you know, you, they'd have lights out, you know, all the flashlights came out, and, uh, you know, there, I mean, it's not like you couldn't see anything. There was, there was lights around, the, you know, uh, in, in the barracks, and, but, uh, you know, everybody would break up the flashlights, and you would write letters to home, and I would write letters to home, and I would read the Word of God. And there was this guy named Mike Viegas who was just larger than life. I mean, this guy was the loudest guy in the, in the barracks. He had one of the vilest mouths in the barracks. Really likable guy. I mean, just the life, he had just huge, you know, he smiled all the time, but just the life of the party, had a joke about everything, and, uh, you know, just a really likable guy, but very, very lost. And so I'm reading my Bible, and then, you know, one night, you know, he comes by, and he's like, man, what are you doing? I'm really loud, you know, and I'm reading my Bible in private, you know. I'm trying to be a light, but not that bright, you know. Um, a dim light. I'm like, I'm, well, I'm reading the Bible. He's like, oh, cool. And he just walks. The next night, he comes by and he goes, hey, you reading the Bible again? And I'm like, yep. You know, we dialogue for just a, a, a couple of minutes and then he left. The third night, he comes back up and he just sits right down on my bunk. He's like, what are you reading, man? What, 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 what are you reading the Bible? You think God does anything by accident? Here's what I'm reading. I'm reading Galatians where it says that for freedom, Christ has set you free. And he's like, what are you reading? You know, here you would think that I would get it. This is how God in his mercy is like, you know, how, how much do I need to open this door for you? You know, I, you know, I've, oh, I swung it wide and you are not, you know, and, and I was like just dense, you know, and uh, so he sits down, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, and he's like, what are you reading? And, and, and I start talking to him about, well, there's this, you know, this letter. When I'm I start talking to him, I realize he has really no knowledge of Scripture. He kind of knows, like, some of the, the big hitters of the Old Testament. He knew that guy, you know, that killed Goliath, you know, you know, the guy that built the boat. And, you know, that's about, that was about it. You know, the guy that, you know, through the Ten Commandments at the people, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So I'm tar I start talking about, I, I said, well, there's this apostle, you know, this Jesus has come, and he knew Jesus, you know, he said, well, I, you know, I was Catholic growing up, but I, I never, at about, you know, when I was able to make my own decisions, I never went to Mass, I never did anything. So he knew who Jesus was, and 
So I start talking to him about freedom in Christ. And I mean, we just, we are in a long conversation and he is just an open book to hear anything and everything that I have to say to him. I start talking about a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus loves him. I said, more more than the cross being a, a symbol, this is a reality of what Jesus did, that he gave his life for you and me. And that he, want, he did it for a relationship. And I'm talking to him about that. This guy is just listening and listening. We talked for, I think, about two hours. And I just full-on gave him the gospel and, and that, that Jesus wants him to be free. And, and so then he's like, well, what do I have to do to, like, I mean, this is the whole works. I mean, he's like, what, you know, basically, what do I have to do to be saved? What, what do I do? I said, you, it's, it's, you just simply pray a prayer and you believe in your heart. And he said, do I have to go to a ceremony or something? I'm like, no, man, we could do it right here. We could, we could, we could do this thing. I can, I can lead you in a prayer. And I said, again, there's no magic in the prayer. The, the prayer just you know, puts, puts words to what you're feeling. And, uh, and you know, you're just talking to Jesus and you're, you're surrendering your, your life to him. He's like, cool, I want to do that. I'm like, all right. We're going to do this right here in the barn. I mean, there's people everywhere. And, and so here's Mr. Me, you know, Mr. Christian, that's trying to keep this as quiet as possible. And he's just being, well, what does this mean? What is that, you know, and I mean, he's just loud. And, and I'm like, you know, he's, you're embarrassing me, man. I mean, you know, come on. It's not even religious yet, and you're being too religious, you know. And so... I just said, I can lead you in a prayer. And I, I wasn't going to bring a whole lot of attention to it. And here's what he says. He said, can I kneel on the floor because I don't feel like I can be upright right now? And at that moment, folks, it just, it, it was like, you know, if the Holy Spirit, not just like a baseball bat right into my face, you know, it's like, hello, this guy is so ready. And here I am again, I'm being more religious than him. I'm like, this is kind of embarrassing, you know. So we kneel down by my bunk and we are, and I just put my hand on his back, and we were at this altar of a bunk in a barracks in basic training. And it was a holy moment, and I just prayed this you know, prayer with him, and, and he gets to the end. He says, amen. He comes up with tears streaming down his face saying, I'm free, I'm free. And he's, he's not quiet. <laughs> and he's yelling out, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And we just embraced, we're both crying, I mean, grown men in the barracks and basic training, and, and I'm like, whoa, new life. And his response to the things of God was so convicting to me, and every time I think of that story, I think about how cold and religious I can be sometimes, where we come and we open up the Word of God and kind of yawn, and it's like, well, okay, let me just, oh, you know, I've read that before, and I've read that before, yep, you know, and... This is the life of Jesus coming into our hearts. And to watch new birth, just watch new life and somebody being born again. I was, re- you know, I was just like, Lord, I need to be born again. I want to have that response to your freedom. Jesus died on the cross for us. He rose from the dead for us. We got an e- eternal hope in heaven because of him. If that doesn't make you excited, I don't know what will. I'm excited. And just to see new life and how we can let just the, the dumbest of things detract us and make us mad and offended and we get this and that. We get dead and, and just mad about things and we get cold and we miss out on new life. Birth is exciting. You can be born again whether you've been around the church for 50 years or less than a year or you're running from church. The invitation from Jesus to this man named Nicodemus is our invitation that, you know, you can't save yourself. You can't be religious enough. You can't be good enough. It's saying, I turn away from my way of doing things. I surrender my heart. I turn from my sins, even if I've been in the church for a really long time. The sins of deadness, not just the sins of addiction and lust and those things that we call worldly. It's still worldly when we get cold and dead inside. And we take the word of God for granted. Just kind of come and do our time. We cross our arms and say, I've heard every message that you've got. I'm not that impressed. I'm not trying to impress you. 
I'm trying to say there's life in Jesus. You know, we've got so much, again, like they said in the, in the video, we've got every translation, you know, that you can read in the Bible. We have access to the greatest teachers on planet Earth. You can go on the internet and watch the greatest preachers in the world. So I know you don't come here today just to hear me preach. If we just want teaching, we can click the, we can click the little mouse on our computer and get great teaching. But it's what are we doing with the teaching? Is it transforming our lives or are we just hearing something else? Sometimes we're just so full. God wants to give us new life and get life through us. New life from above. I love that, that even in the word born again, it's, it's, it's the life of Christ. Do you know the connotation of this word implies that we should, it should be continual? We should daily desire the life of Christ to be in us. We should be born again and again and again and again. I'm not talking about getting re-saved. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about getting saved over and over again. That's like condemnation. Okay, I'm saved, I'm not saved. Okay, God, I'm not talking about getting re-saved. I'm talking about just the new life. I need new life every day. The life of Jesus in me every day. Born again and again and again. New life to remember the newness of life, the excitement of the life of Jesus. Every day. I don't want to live a stagnant, dead, religious existence. I want the life of the Holy Spirit to be in me. So Jesus looks at this man, and again, the invitation to him and to us is to get right with God, is to let the life of the Spirit in you. It's a word to say you're dead on the inside, but what I've got for you is life. You know, Jesus said some things about himself. He said, one of the things he said, I'm the light of the world. You want to get out of darkness, you go to Jesus. If you're living a life of darkness and sin, you come to the light of Jesus. He said, I'm the river of living water. What are you quenching the thirst of your soul with? You go from thing to thing. He also said, I'm the bread of heaven. What are you filling the hunger of your heart with? It can only be found, the contentment can be found in new life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus would look at, he looked at him and he went beyond his religious exterior and he said, you know, the, the only way you're going to inherit the kingdom of God is to be born again, to have the life of Jesus. He breathes life into that which is lifeless. He gives hope to those that are hopeless. He gives peace to the despair, despairing heart. And he gives freedom to the captive. Just like Mike Viegas, I am free. And at that moment, I was wondering how free I was. And towards the end of this discussion with Nicodemus, it's the very well-known passage. And he's, he gives him this discourse on what it means to be born again. And then he ends this discussion. And he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have life. Would have life. Everlasting, eternal life. And then verse 17 he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Jesus stands before us today and he says, you know what, I don't condemn you. Now if you live your own way and you pick your own way and you choose your own way, you will walk the, the road of condemnation. You will just condemn yourself. But Jesus does not stand as the condemner. He stands as the savior of the world, the one who gave his life for you and me. Because God loved the world that much and God loved you and I that much. And this whole discourse is with Nicodemus. God loved the world. And he's looking at Nicodemus. God loved the world. He gave his only son. This is more than religion, Nicodemus. This is more than you memorizing the law, Nicodemus. This is more than your nice little outward look and your robe and your, your phylacteries on your head and you going through the motions and you being a strict law abider. This is more than all that. This is about a relationship with the Son of God.
And that word believe, he that believes. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes will have life. What does it mean to believe? What is Jesus talking about in that word believe? It's more than just head knowledge. But the word believe there is, is, this, is this is a transformational context of, of being convinced of something. It's more than intellectual recognition. And it is in the context of being born again. It's having the life of the Spirit in you. It's trusting Jesus entirely with your future and your plans and your eternal destiny. It's casting your cares on Him. It's relying confidently in Him for the hope of your salvation. It's making your beliefs your convictions. And then your life reflects that. It's transformed belief. You know, there's certain things that we believe, but then there's certain things that we live like we believe it. And there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Because Jesus ends that in, 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 in verse 8. I, I love how he says this. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit or, or born again. In other words, he goes, you know, the wind comes and goes, but there's evidence of the wind. And Jesus was being very real, very practical. You go outside, you can't really tell where the wind comes from, but there's evidence there. Isn't there? There's wind blowing. And so when Jesus is talking about transformational belief, he's saying, is there evidence that you are born again? Not by your words. Not by what you've memorized. Not by coming to church every week. Not by going through religious hoops. Is there evidence? Is there evidence that you are born again? Do you need a fresh start today? Do you need fresh life today? Do you need to be born again today? Maybe today you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Or maybe you've become very religious and you've gone through a lot of hoops and you've gone to church a lot. But both sides, you are dead inside. Well, there's an invitation from Jesus today that says, will you be born again? Will you receive my life in a new way? I'm going to have the worship team come up because we're going we're to end our time with communion. But before we move in this time, I, I just... Let's have the lights down. Uh, that'd be great. I just want to just take a moment. With uh, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. David, if you could bring the piano down just a titch, just for, just for a moment here. So. I just want to take a moment here. I don't want to miss this time. Again, there, I always say this, but you know, there's no magic in raising your hand. It's just simply a response to the Lord. Because more than just words that I just throw out there every week, and I just, you know, you guys hear me speak, and it's not eloquent, but I hope you hear the heartbeat of it. That Jesus is real and he loves you. And in this room today, maybe you're here. And you don't know God. You're not walking with God. There's no evidence in your life. You just say, you know what, I, I kind of believe it, uh, you know, in my head. I, I know that there's something real to it. Maybe you just say, I don't, I don't really even believe it much at all. But there is a... There's kind of a prodding in your heart and there's something going on in your heart and you say, you know, I want to respond to the Lord today. I want, to, I want his life in me. I want to be born again today. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I just want to just take a moment to pray for you. And... All right, the second thing is this. Maybe you've walked with the Lord You've been in church a long time and you can really relate to Nicodemus and 
gone through some religious hoops. You've done the thing over and over and over again. In fact, me talking about and having this time where I pray you, you've heard this a million times. In fact, you could probably get up here with a microphone and do this. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. You, you, you know, raise your hand, do this, pray this prayer. You've heard it. But I want to talk to your heart today. And if there's something in your heart that maybe you've, you've grown dead and religious, maybe you've grown cynical. And you remember when, when you had those precious, those tender times with the Lord and things would bring tears to your eyes and, and you'd have a response to the Lord. And you know, that's just gone. It's more religious deadness and cynicism more than anything. And well, you know what? Jesus is saying, he wants you to be born again today. I'm not talking about getting resaved. I'm talking about the new life of the Spirit in you. And if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I just want to pray for those right now that raise their hands. That's very, very real. Thank you for raising your hands. Jesus, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would begin to just move on every heart in this room. Lord, whether, they, whether anybody raised their hands or not, maybe they felt like they should. Maybe, Lord, they're just still cold and they're like, I've done that before. It's not really that big of a deal. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would begin to move on every heart in this room, that you would touch lives today. Lord, we just respond to you because you are awesome. Your, the, your life is awesome. Jesus, you came. You didn't die for religion. You didn't die so that we could go through hoops and go through motions week after week. You died to give us life. You were crucified brutally on a cross to give us life. Lord, today we turn from our, our sin. We turn from our religion. We turn from our, the deadness of our hearts and we turn to you. I pray, God, for new life right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray for new life, your life to be poured into each person in this room. The new life of the Spirit. We're going to end our time today just in a time of worship and communion. Um, there's elements on both sides of the congregation. You know, one of the, uh, one of the things that we do here, the sacraments uh, that we partake of, you know, we, we baptize people in water and, um, and we also receive communion. And again, if you've been around the church, you could probably stand up here and do this. I don't, I don't want you to miss the power and the significance of receiving communion. But there's elements on both sides. This side, you just go down this aisle and then come and then you can receive it on your own because I'm going to pray for the elements before we go here. Um, this side, just go down this aisle and, and you can just receive the elements of communion at, at, you know, as you come forward. But before we do that, I don't want us to miss the power and the significance of this moment. Here at Community Bible, we have a, an open communion. All we ask is that, the, that, that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. Before you receive communion, you don't have to be a member of this church as some churches do. That's fine, but we don't, we don't do that here. But we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus when we receive communion. When we, when we do this, don't lose the awe and the wonderment of the sacrifice of Jesus. The awesome thing that he, that he did for us. You know, Jesus led his disciples before he went to the cross and that which we call the Last Supper, you know, where he has this time with his disciples and I don't even know if they fully were aware of exactly what, what the symbolism, what was going on, but you know, he took that bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body for, that is broken for you. Took that cup of wine and he said, you know, this is my, the blood of my, 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 the new covenant the covenant between God and his people, that, that Jesus was going to restore the covenant between God and people. And Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians 11 when he's given instructions of this, and he said, you know, I pass on to you, and he's talking to the group of the Corinthians, the Corinthian believers, he goes, I, I pass on to you what the Lord Jesus gave to me, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. This is more than just a little snack meal and a good time with his disciples. It was significant what was going on. So he took bread in his hand, he broke, and he said, this is my body broken for you. 
as often as you eat it, remember, remember the sacrifice. Don't ever forget the sacrifice. The same manner he took the cup and he raised it up and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, my blood shed for many. As often as you drink it, remember me. And we do this to remember the Lord's sacrifice. And he said, do this until I return. Until we share in the, the great supper in my kingdom. Do it until. So that's why we do it here. We, we try to do it once a month. But don't miss the significance and the power of this moment. And then he said this. He, he later on in that, verse, uh, in that chapter, Paul says this. He said, don't ever take communion in a guilty way. In other words, if there's sin in your heart and you're dealing with something, I'm not talking about if you've achieved perfection that you can take communion, but if there is undealt with things in your life, he said, do not take communion in a guilty way. But search your heart. So if there's something in your life before you would take communion today, my encouragement and the exhortation and a challenge is make sure you get things right with God before you do it. Don't take it very lightly or just, ah, whatever. It's just I'm, I'm eating this bread and drinking this cup. No, it's very significant what we do. So we want to just take a moment to examine our hearts. And before you come up and you receive the elements, I encourage you, if there's things that you've not dealt with before the Lord, deal with them before the Lord. In the, right here in the quietness of this building, you can get alone with God. And with that said, there's never ever any, don't feel under compulsion to take communion. If you want to, you don't have to receive. If you're like, I don't feel like I should today, that's fine. I've been in services before where I didn't take communion. I just, I just don't, you know, I don't feel like I need to do this today. And so there's no compulsion. No, again, we're not trying to make this a religious ritual. We want this to be a relational contact with God Almighty. So the worship team is going to lead us, and uh, you can hang out if you want to after you take communion. If you want to sit quietly before the Lord, worship with us. We're going to have some time. We'll worship be songs that you're familiar with. If you would like prayer after you receive communion, I'm going to have a few leaders that can hang out, uh, leaders, whoever can be up here with me. We're just going to pray for a few people, whoever would like prayer for whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through. Just going to open it up. If Maybe it's just that you want to get right with God today. We would love to pray with you about that. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll move into this time. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that the promise of, of, of life in you is that we can be born again. We receive your life, and Lord, as we receive communion today, we ask that you would search our hearts. Search our hearts, God. See if there be an offensive way in us, oh God, and lead us in the way everlasting. And Just love you today, and we thank you for what you did, and we remember your sacrifice. Lord, help us never to forget what you did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name. Again, there'll be no formal dis uh, dismissal as you, uh, you can go as you feel so.